Let's just pray again. Father, I thank you for your goodness, your kindness, and your mercy to us. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you speak to us through the scripture, and you speak directly to us too. But God, I also thank you that, as David affirmed for us, that even if we don't hear something right this moment, we can trust because of your word that you are with us. We can be still and know that you are God. Whatever it is we're going through, whatever um, we're thinking about life, we can be still and know you. So I ask that as I speak, it would be your voice that comes through, that each of us here this morning would be listening to your voice, listening and attentive to the Holy Spirit who is calling and drawing each one of us to to you through your precious son, Jesus. And it's in his name that I pray. Amen. Well, I want you to start, I want you to imagine, some of you might find this easier than others, to imagine living in a hot, dry, dusty land. Not much water around, um, hard to get access to water, Things don't grow so, so well so immediately. Um, just imagine what that might be like. Very different sort of thing to imagine to living in the, the lush Waikato with its foggy winters and rainy autumns and stormy sort of Februaries. Uh, I imagine living in such a place, I've never lived in such a place, but I imagine that you'd become pretty well acquainted with thirst and with your dependence upon water. I imagine, especially if we're thinking some time ago or in in a part of the world where there's no running water, you'd be very conscious of where your water has to come from. You'd be aware, you'd be thinking about... um, how clean that water is. It might even be a a source of great conflict or it might come at a great cost that uh, water, this thing that we as people living in Hamilton probably take for granted because you turn the tap and it comes and it's clean and safe. Uh, But for someone living in another part of the world or perhaps uh, another time in history, water might be very hard to come by. And if you were in that sort of environment, I imagine that your whole life really could revolve around the gathering, the securing, the cleansing of water. You'd spend a lot of your time during the day, you know, at least some time gathering water. Um, maybe you'd have to pay for it if someone else owned the well or something like that. Now imagine that your life would become uh, oriented around the pursuit, the gathering, the intake of water. And that would occupy your mind a lot. This is the case for plenty of people in the world today and countless others in history. Water 
something that we can easily take for granted is actually a big deal. We all know that without it, we'd be done in a couple of days, a few days. Now let's say you imagine, let's imagine that you lived in such a place. How would, do you think you might imagine heaven, God's eternal promise? What do you think might be at the heart of God's provision in a perfected new creation where heaven and earth are together as one and, uh, and you have everything you need? Well, Logos just read for us Revelation 22, verse 1. The angel showed me, this is in the new heavens and the new earth, the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. It's not surprising that in Scripture, written to people largely living in a very hot part of the world, that a source of water is at the very, very heart of God's promise in the new heavens and the new earth. So our picture here is of God providing abundantly for his people to meet their thirst. Are you thirsty? Maybe you're thirsty for real. Maybe you want to drink a water. There's some down the back. It's easy to access. But I don't mean water. I mean, are you thirsty in life? Is there something that nags at you, a need that you haven't yet been able to find satisfied? Is there something you're chasing? Is there something you cannot satisfy, you haven't been able to satisfy? How do you try and meet that thirst in your own life? How do you try and make life feel okay when you feel parched, perhaps spiritually or emotionally? How do you seek to find satisfaction? Do you go to entertainment? Do you Dive into your own personal ambition to advance yourself? Do you need something out of friendships or sex or relationships? Do you find significance in what other people think about you? Do you find significance in your children? So much of what we do as humans, as fallen people, can be an attempt to 
satisfy a thirst that those good things that I've just named were not made to satisfy. Those things that I've just named, the good gifts of a good God who's provided them for us to enjoy this world, but they're not the things that are going to satisfy us in the end. We weren't just made for the gifts of God, we were made for God. We weren't just made for the gifts, we were made for the giver of them. I know this for myself, right? I can be so easily addicted and I can pursue satisfaction or pursue feeling all right about things in so many ways. chapter earlier than what Logos just read, Jesus says, to the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. The promise of heaven that we talked about a little bit last week and we're thinking about again this week is Living water from the source of all sources. It's receiving from the one who not just didn't just make us, but who sustains us, who gives us our very being. The promise of life after life after death is water from God. I love the image, even though I, I'm not a... I've never lived somewhere dry and dusty, so I, I haven't known that kind of relationship to water. But I love the image of this clear, pure, and crystal water. Have you ever swum in the water up in the mountains or even just anywhere away from the sort of stinky Waikato where, you know, have you ever drunk from a cool stream up in the hills somewhere? It's, there's a purity, there's a, a clarity, there's a, there's a livingness to that water. And I think that's a, an earthly pleasure that gives us a little glimpse of the satisfaction and the joy that we are destined for. If we are sons and daughters of the Most High God and if we're destined for heaven, then we're destined for infinite satisfaction and joy. But here's the thing. Last week and this week, I've had a bit of a focus on heaven and where we're going and what we will receive. But how many of us are thirsty now? Do we want to wait until after death to taste of the living water that God is giving? Do we have to wait until after death? Do we have to just hang on in the meantime until we're dead and then we can go and be with Christ, which will be great?
this today brings to the end our, uh, our gospel series. And we've been through various different portions of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, we've looked at his death and his resurrection. We've looked at the life that he's invited us into. And I want to say to you that the good news of Jesus is that we can come to him now. Last week, I, I talked about that tension between preaching this world or the next world, you know, and, and maybe, um, maybe at different times it's tempting to focus on one or the other. But I want to suggest to you today that it's not one or the other. It's now and in the future. The kingdom has come now. We have the invitation to springs of living water now. And yes, that will be perfected in, in, the, in the new heavens and the new earth. There'll be no lack. We won't feel the lack that we still sometimes feel today. But it begins now. And we're heading in that direction now. Jesus says in John 7, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. I believe we have a picture here. And remember John, this is John's gospel, but John also wrote the book of Revelation, didn't he? I believe we have a picture here about how the eternal life that we've been promised is coming up and out of us now, flowing like a spring of living water. In Revelation, it, it's from the throne of God and of the Lamb that this living water comes, this river comes. And I suggest to you, so too in us, if God and the Lamb are enthroned in our hearts, if we have received the gospel that we've been preaching to you, that means that we have come to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, that he is the lamb that was slain, that he's reconciled us to God. And when we are in that relationship through that life and confession, living water comes springing up out of us. It's no longer something that I need to go to the top of a mountain to enjoy, though I do enjoy that. The Holy Spirit lives within me. The Holy Spirit lives within you. If you've given your life to Christ, if you've said to him, yes, Jesus, you are Lord. I'm going to skip back to Revelation 22 from verse 3. This is, again, this is the new Jerusalem in the middle of the new heaven and earth. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, 
and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no lamp, no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. I started out this week thinking about trying to answer the question, what are we going to do in heaven? And there are four doing words in this passage, this half of the passage that I've just read. It says that we're going to see God's face, that we will worship him, that we will serve him, and that we will reign I notice that each of these doing things, if you've been wondering, what are we going to do in the new heavens and the new earth? Each of these promises begins now too. Just as the streams of living water that we can go to in the new heavens and the new earth have already started to come up from within us if we've given our lives to it, so too we're going to We can begin to see God now. We can seek Him and we can come face to face with Him. We can worship Him, which is the natural response. If you've seen God, uh, I don't think we have anything but worship coming up out of us. It's not that we're forced to do it. But if you seek God and you discover even a glimpse of Him, I believe you will come to a place of adoration and worship, of giving him your affection. We're going to serve him and we're going to reign. That means rule, right? I don't fully know what that means. Um, If we have no needs or if God has no needs, then what is serving going to mean? I don't know. But sounds good. To reign with God, God who is king and above all. We're gonna, if we've given our lives to Him, we're gonna reign with Him. We're gonna be little kings and queens in this new heaven and the new earth. We're gonna share in the glory that He has because He will have given it to us. These things begin now. These things are descriptions of life with God, which begins now. To see God, to worship Him, to serve Him, and to reign with Him. It begins now. So here's my question for you. This is for those of us who have given our lives to Jesus and those of us who haven't. What does your life revolve around? I suggested earlier that living in a dry and dusty land, your whole life might revolve around the pursuit of water. Spiritually speaking, I think we do live in a dry and dusty land. 
We're given so many opportunities and options to find immediate gratification and satisfaction. We've, we're given so many ways in which to uh, occupy our attention. The question that I have for myself and that I, I kind of invite you to wonder for yourself with me is, what does your life revolve around? Is it the pursuit of satisfaction through sex or drugs, relationships, hard work, significance in the eyes of others? Or is the, is the pursuit of your life the living water of God given to us that comes up and pours out of us? The good news is Jesus is here. He's given of himself already. It says in the new heavens and the new earth that we, he will give to us without payment. Jesus made the payment. Jesus, by his death and resurrection, made us into new creations, the kinds of people in whom the Spirit lives and out of whom the Spirit comes. But that doesn't mean there's no pursuit. We don't have to pay for it. But we do have to receive it. And so as we bring this gospel series to a close, my invitation to you is that if you've never come to the fountain of God, if you've never given your life to Christ, now is your time. And if you have, but you know that your life is not really ordered around this well of living water, if your life is uh, determined by many other things, then the invitation to you now is to return to that one thing. That's why we have this thing tonight called one thing. It's to orient our gaze, our attention, our devotion, and our affection towards the one who gives us living water. Gary is going to come up and he's going to lead us in prayer and he's going to make an invitation.